do it. Get mentally prepared, bring it in. I'm going I'm to try to bring the thunder. All right, here we go. Josh, you fucking asshole. You right? <laughs> howdy, howdy, folks, and welcome to another uh, episode of Very Unreasonable Things. My name is Josh Lindsay, and I'm joined by Billy Bone. Billy Bone. Uh, uh, mm, mm. Say hey. Hey. <laughs> Lovely. Fucking asshole. Lovely. Love the energy you're bringing. Uh, look, we, we we established uh, the last episode that we are scraping the fucking bottom of the barrel on these two horror icons, but I think we're we're, we're below the barrel now. I think. Oh, hold on, you're you're saying we're at the bottom of the barrel, and I think that's misleading. I think that makes it sound like we don't have anything else to talk about. Let's clarify when we're talking about scraping the bottom of the barrel. We're not scraping the bottom bottom of the barrel for for content for us. We're scraping the bottom of the barrel in terms of the quality of the movie we're talking about, right? Uh, kind of both. A little bit of We have plenty of things to talk about. But th- this this episode will... Look, we're, we're going to be dunking on this movie quite a bit, right? Wouldn't you say? Well, yeah. And I think we need to establish, too, is that this is... Uh, unexpected second part. We never intended to do a two-part episode, but we're having to this time. And why is that? Because we talked for over two fucking hours about Jason goes to hell. And we were exhausted and just ran out of time. I mean, it takes a special level of nerd to go two hours on Jason goes to hell. And we reached super Saiyan levels nerd them here and it felt good it did but well i'm ready i'm ready to about, shit all over freddie's dead well okay i have some First strong opinions had, about this one you there's never a shortage of strong opinions with you on any subject but what, what's your memory of this movie that it was trash and that it had 3d okay. glasses <laughs> It was trash, and it had 3D after 3D was a thing. Yeah, and I, and I feel like maybe the 3D was tagged on to save a dying franchise. You remember the first time you saw it? Mm, no, I honestly do not. Mm. It, yeah, it's it was probably a rental. I was probably living with my dad. What year did it come out? 1991. Yeah, I've got that wrote down. Uh, 1991. No, I, I... Were you in Texas? Possibly. I'm trying... I, I'd have to do the math in my head and figure out what grade I was in to tell you where I was at. But most likely, I saw it when I was visiting or after I'd come to move to Mississippi permanently to live with my uh, grandparents or my dad. 
But yeah, it, it wasn't a memorable experience other than the fact that it was just a fucking horrible movie. That was what I remembered of it. And it's not one that I rewatch on a regular basis like the other Nightmare. Well, there's a couple Nightmare on Elm Street movies I don't rewatch on a regular basis. Uh, but this is the main one. This one gets rewatched the least. Yeah, it's it's there's a steady decline in this franchise that is visible when you watch it, and it's just you know they are they're struggling, you know, in 1901. But I remember being excited for this one, obviously, because like I was probably like seven or eight, and we we talked about it in the uh, our, our pilot dead and buried episode when we covered the nightmare first three nightmare movies I've, I've always had like a freddy krueger has always been my boogeyman in each movie sort of i can remember where i was when i watched them and how they affected me um so i was excited in 1991 and i remember you know i didn't go to the movies to see it my parents were going to take me to see this shit god bless them and i think i I think it came on like HBO and I saw like that, like once um, Lisa Zane puts on the 3d glasses and I remember even at eight years old, I'm like, this isn't my Freddy Krueger movie. You know, it took, wait a minute. It took you till the 3d glasses to figure that out. No, that's when I called it. Like I didn't, I didn't see any of the beginning. Wizard of Oz bullshit. Okay. You, you're not supposed to take sips between your thoughts. Drinking is for when you're not talking. Oh, I was done. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, and, so, and what are you drinking today? I'm drinking uh, Sir Taste a lot. It is a, uh, I think it's a Swedish beer. And it's um, here in Sweden, they have what they call a folk beer which is uh, 3.5 alcohol content. And you can buy these in the grocery store and everything else. You have to go to like the government mandated um, beer store, liquor store. So I just picked these up today because I don't know, just doing a podcast sober sounds gross. Yeah. Are we ready? We're ready to dissect this dead corpse that is known as Freddy Krueger. Yeah, so Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, 1991. The universe giveth and the universe taketh away. And in the year of our Lord, 1991, the world was introduced to the first website that was built and put online. The world was blessed with the Seattle sound that swept the nation called grunge. James Cameron released his follow-up to his 1984 hit Terminator 2 Judgment Day. And it redefined how action movies were made. Guns N' Roses and Metallica were on top of the world with the release of the Black Album and Use Your Illusion. The Hubble Telescope launched and the USSR came to an end. The 90s were officially underway. And it was then that New Line Cinema founder and CEO Robert Shea decided that success was boring and off-putting. And that the character that built his company needed to be taught a lesson for making him a millionaire in the ultimate American success story. And what better way to make Freddy Krueger pay than with a public execution? And this was going to be an expensive endeavor, and he was going to need some help. 
enter Rachel Talalay. A young upstart from the New Line Cinema who had worked her way up from the line producer to first-time director under the tutelage and guidance of Shay. And when asked by Shay if she knew any way to burn this horror icon to the fucking ground, she jumped at the chance. And when she turned in the script written in crayon and dropped it on Shay's desk, Shay nodded in approval. But there was still one person they needed to help bury this monster once and for all, so it was then when Robert England got the call asking if he was tired of starring in theatrical movies and portraying an 80s icon. And England, who had only two payments left on his 89 Toyota Tercel, he was content with that, agreed. And with that, the trio set off to make one of the worst movies ever. Now the synopsis isn't going to go into any plot devices. That's pretty much it. Because when I started writing this, I just couldn't muster up the energy to um, talk about this movie and in pen to paper form. Yeah, that's that's it. This 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 movie is a is an abomination. When you agree? Yes, um, definitely. So we're we're not gonna get to plot. I mean, I can give you the no, plot real that's, quick. That, that's that's all I could do. So here's the plot of the movie. Uh, Springwood has no children. Freddy's an afterthought. The parents still fear him. They have no children there for a reason, so he doesn't come back. Uh, there's some John Doe that goes on the run. Turns out Freddy sent him outside of Springwood to bring his daughter back to Springwood so he could escape Springwood so every street could or every town could have an Elm Street. Some cheesy fucking deaths. Lame-ass fight at the end of the movie. Some shitty 3D effects. Freddy dies. Movie over. Bam. I mean, I was even podcast done. Describing that, yep. But yes, this movie fucking sucks. I don't, I don't even know where I want to start with it. But well, you hit the you movie hit the, doesn't even start with the new line music. That should tell you everything where this movie's at. Yeah, this movie. Well, I know, I know, and and this is in direct head to head competition with. Jason goes to hell. And I know last week you or not last week, but last episode you shit on the music and Jason goes to hell, but the music in this movie is fucking horrible. And it's, it doesn't even feel like it really has a score. It's just one shitty rock song to the next shitty rock song. And I like rock music. I just don't like shitty rock music. And this movie's full of it. The rock music didn't bother me. It doesn't fit the tone of the movie at all. It bothered me. I, I mean, what, what is the tone of this movie? I don't know, but it still didn't fucking fit. Um, it's a, uh, yeah, the opening song is horrible. Uh, it, just, it just starts off horrible. You start off with the, uh, the John Doe. Oh, oh, I remember the very first thing that starts this movie off that I have it right down here. And I'm just like, what the fuck? But it starts off like a sci-fi movie, right? Almost like a Terminator, you know? Where it's like, oh, hey, in such and such year, Skynet, you know, became aware and caused Judgment Day and blah, 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 blah. Right. It has that opening text crawl where, you know, 10 years from now, Springwood, whatever, whatever. I can't remember exactly what it says. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, first off, I want to I want to mention that the movie opens up with it. Uh, and I'm going to get this name wrong. With the Nietzsche, Nietzsche, Nietzsche. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Quote, 
obviously I'm, I'm just a country mouse, but, um, like, how dare you? How dare you? Nine roll down street, Freddy's dead. Start off with a, a German philosopher quote. And the quote is, do you know the terrors of he who falls asleep? To the very toes he is terrified because the ground gives way under him and the dreams begin. It's like, fuck you, movie. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that quote. Uh, and probably because it didn't bother me as much as the sci-fi text crawl. Where it had like, it looked like, a, I think it was a computer screen, right? It was a lot like Repo Man, kind of. And it's, or, or any other sci-fi movie that does that but yeah you got no, that but all, um well and, and but we, go ahead no it's what you were saying it opens up with that text crawl because this is bananas so it says that there's new evidence of one surviving teenager evidence of a surviving teenager like someone found this unmarked bed with used kleenex tissues on the ground. <laughs> well, and that, that brings me to the next never point. Like, How many Elm Street children were there? Uh, we talked about this in, in our uh, very first episode. That's only available. I think on the website and SoundCloud, but they were supposed to be on the last of the Elm Street children in part one, right? Or part three. They were supposed to be on the last of the Elm Street children. Yeah. Here we go. And now we got this generic ass John Doe character. Who's supposedly an Elm Street child. And if the town is against having children in it, how the fuck did this motherfucker survive? It's not like he's I wearing- want to circle back to that evidence of one survive evidence of one surviving teenager. It's like, can you imagine like this um this Bigfoot hunter guys that have that reality show? But this one they're like trying to find this last teenager. Like, oh yeah, we found this. We found this bed. We found these Kleenexes that were dried. And we did a sample. And um, we've got some, uh, obviously, some old semen and some and, and some rock star energy drink. <laughs> evidence of one last teenager. I mean, that's. Yeah. So we get this, this mystery teenager you were talking about. They're on the plane, right? He gets sucked out the bottom. And then he ends up in the house. Now, is it Nancy's house at that point? No, I think it's his house. I don't think it's ever Nancy's house till they find it. Yeah, well, they show the they show Nancy's house at the beginning, and that's and that was the point I was trying to get to though. Before we talk about the Wizard of Oz shit, which was horrible. At this point, though, what's the relevance of Nancy's house? That's always been central. I mean, at this point, if you're asking, then well, it it's it would be central to part one, part two, and part three. Well, I mean, it had no reason to be central to part three, but it was. Well, it was so Nancy and Kristen could connect and she'd be like, wait, how do you know about this house? I used to live there, blah, blah, blah. And then. But there's still nothing there. But there was there was like ties of a plot uh, a device there. And here it serves no purpose for it to be this house. It's not the Myers house. Like we keep going back to that house in Halloween because it's the Myers house. Right. But we show Nancy's house because whatever it's I, I don't know it just bugged me there was no reason for Nancy's house to be in this movie 
And I guess I guess the character's name is John, right? We just decided it was John, and it was like he's a John Doe, so we called him John throughout. Yeah, the Yeah, because it's supposed to be like this mystery, like is he Freddy's kid? Yeah, it poorly played and, out though. And the greatest who could give a fuck moment in movie history, like nobody cares. But the movie just right off the bat showed that it wasn't going to be scary. Because he he falls out the bottom of the house, he land or falls out the bottom of the plane. He lands in his house. His house starts flying around, and then you see Freddy flying around like the fucking wicked witch. And, and we talked about this before. Freddy used to play on your fears, right? And now it's just like, what gag can we make? Oh, let's do a Wizard of Oz gag. It's almost like watching a Family Guy episode, where you know Family Guy would do something that has nothing to do with the plot, and they would just do a gag because they thought it was funny. Yeah, and I have it written down in my notes, like this Wizard of Oz opening with Freddy dressed as a Wicked Witch. Like, it's the lowest point I've ever seen any franchise fall so far. And I put in my notes, this movie is only four minutes in. <laughs> I mean, if you if you show these side by side, like the first Nightmare on Elm Street in 1984, and you're like, look at this. And then you were like, hey, here's the last movie, quote unquote. And look at this character now. It's. You had a scary Freddy and you had a Freddy from a children's book. You had Freddy from Looney Tunes. And the movie looks worse too. I'm sure that the budget for, for a, uh, I'm assuming you have these numbers, but I'm assuming the budget for Freddy's dead had to be more than the budget for Nightmare on Elm Street. It, yeah, obviously it was. Um, and yet we look worse. These special effects that we get in this opening sequence are horrendous. When he uh, when he tears through the boundary or whatever, mm-hmm. leaves that cartoon cut out, like you said, Looney Tunes. Yeah. Even if you were going for a gag, that special effect looks bad. And I'm not talking about the shape of the cutout. I'm just talking about the special effect itself. It looks fucking horrible. I mean, can you imagine? Like this is your this is your swan song for this character, and and you're going out with comedic. Looney Tunes style jokes. You know, you watch this movie and your mouth's agape at all these decisions. And it, and it, like you said, it starts at the very beginning. Like it doesn't even give you time to settle in before you're like, oh, this is, this is bad. Yeah. Since this is technically a versus episode, you know, it's split into two parts. I know I shit on the opening of Jason Goes to Hell, but I prefer it to this shit. Oh, Jason goes to hell. I mean, this is a versus episode. Spoiler alert, it's Jason goes to hell. So, yeah, that the opening sequence there, at least it, you know, even if the guy was trying to make it tongue-in-cheek, at least it was still true to part of the lore before they went off the rails with Jason lore. But here, I, mean, I don't know what Freddy this is. Um, and we've talked about this, and, I, and, I, and I've got it in my notes here. Like, you get God Freddy at his peak up until the very end. But none of these people have a chance against Freddy until they till they do, right? Just for whatever reason, all of a sudden Freddy can't do shit. But when you know Freddy's got the fucking house flying around and you know he's flying around a broomstick, he's doing all this shit against these people will and they have no control. It's it's horrible. The music's fucking horrible to go with it. You know who did the music? No. The Goo Goo Dolls. Bron May. Bron May. Not that Bron May. Oh, I, <laughs> I looked it say. up because I was, I was worried when I saw it. 
I was worried. I'm like, man, Brian May had he'd fallen on some hard times in 1991, but it wasn't Queens, Brian May. Okay, yeah. Could you imagine to see him just like be asked to do Freddy's Dead, and he's like, oh, I'll do it. I mean, when did Wayne's World movie? I'll make shit music. When did Wayne's World come out? 91. God, so just imagine if it was him, and he's like, man, I need some money. Like, and then they film Wayne's World, you know, I guess and they released in the same period of time. And then, you know, they got the scene with Bohemian Rhapsody, which had to have caused like an uptick in sales for Queen, right? Oh, he, he did, start, most definitely. And he starts getting some royalty checks and he's just be like, fuck, I didn't have to do this shit. Well, Freddie Mercury also died in 91. So you can imagine him being in a low place, being like, or oh, I'll do, I'll do Freddie Day. Fuck <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta be worried there for a second. Um, I know, right? I, I was too. I was so after after John Doe Wally Coyotes his way out of Springwood. We end up at another fucking shelter or halfway house, right? Well, also like right before John Doe gets to the to the recovery house youth shelter. That is the name. He was falling down this hill, <laughs> which was like two minutes long of him falling down a hill. And I put, and I'm like, this is the most captivating thing in this entire movie is seeing this <laughs> fucking jackass <laughs> fall down a hill. <laughs> so what'd you call it? Recovery house youth center or youth shelter. Youth and it's shelter. an abandoned warehouse. We, we, we've talked about this before too. And you know, if you can stand the audio quality and all the background noises, I mean, go to the website, very unreasonable things.com. Listen to the first three episodes. Cause we have high praise for those. Uh, or not first three episodes, first episode about the first three movies. Sorry. But we have high praise for those first three movies. And one of the things I talked about in there was the sets and how beautiful and realistic they look. Yeah. And I have it in my fucking notes too. It was like, we just filmed in a warehouse, in an abandoned warehouse. Throw up some fucking walls, put a couple couches in here. It's wow. I mean, the entire movie's dirty for no reason. Yeah. Everything is dirty in this movie. And oh, this that's probably how they tried to, that's probably how they tried to create the scary atmosphere. Yeah. All right, guys, we have all these gags. We got to have something that makes the movie feel frightening. I mean, did you see I know, the van let's they were make driving? it fucking dirty. Yeah, with all the graffiti on it and shit. Yeah. Well, it's got to be authentic. And, you know, that's what teens do. I mean, where is Ohio's tax money going to? It ain't the fucking youth shelters or their transportation, I'll tell you that. Right? But we, we get the, uh, when we get to the, I forgot the name of it again. <laughs> uh, recovery, recovery house, house youth shelter. shelter. We get to the recovery house youth shelter. That's a mouthful. We get there and we got Breckenmeyer laying on the fucking couch playing Ninja Gaiden. And my immediate thought was Tecmo who made Ninja Gaiden and Nintendo who made the power glove should fucking sue. And the, Anybody that was a child back in the 80s and has paid attention to any kind of history with video games know that the Power Glove was an abomination. But this movie is a black mark on the name of Nintendo more so than the fucking Power Glove. Like, there's there's a story about that, though. 
to where like they were, um, they were worried about using a power glove and they're like, well, we, we never got Nintendo's permission. And Robert Shea was finally like, fuck it. We Nintendo just don't get their permission. Nintendo should have sued. And, and Tecmo should have sued about the Ninja Gaiden. Like, don't put our handheld in your game. I know we license this out to Tiger Electronics, but we don't want to be in your movie. This sucks. I didn't even know it. It was a Ninja Gaiden game. Yeah. I was too busy looking at that ponytail. Yeah, this is a, this one little piece is supposed to establish that Brecken Meyer's character is a gamer because he's playing a little handheld while he's sitting in a warehouse with nothing else to do. That he's a stoned me. gamer. Yeah. So apparently too. they predicted the future. That doesn't tell me that uh, he's a gamer, though. That just tells me he's fucking bored. What else are you going to do? Well, besides make pipe bombs, which he's no, doing also. Yes, and he implied that his dad's a racist. He's making pipe bombs for fuck's sake. And Lisa <laughs> Zane is kind of cool with it. Like 1991, man. Spencer shootings in 9 to 11. It was weird, man. Yeah. And you get a bunch of angry, angsty teens in this movie. You got uh, Spencer, the stoned gamer. Uh, you've got Carlos, right? The, yeah. The deaf guy. And then you've got, oh my God, what was her name? Um, I didn't even write her name down. Like, she's just a kickboxing. Tracy. Tracy, that's it. Yeah, I tried to be better prepared, you know, because usually you know all the names and I feel bad. Uh, but Tracy, yeah. And didn't we already have the karate person or kickboxer or whatever from a previous movie? Yeah, part four. A dream it, it wasn't that far ago. Exactly. And we're already just like, we're out of ideas. What are we going to do? I know. Let's make her a martial artist. And, of course, she's super pissed off at the world. And her... Trauma is worse than anybody else's trauma. And maybe it is. But the point is that these characters have so little empathy for each other that it's like a pissing contest as to who's more fucked up. No, well, even with this Tracy character. Don't like, tell me about your life. My life's worse. Well, later on in the movie, they try to tackle like abuse. Yeah. And it's like, Freddy's dead. You don't need to, especially in this movie, like why are you trying to like tackle like a serious subject like that with this comedic undertone? Like, and it's like the only time that they get, they try to be serious for the most part, but that, that give, what is that? One minute? Yeah. 45 seconds. We get John Doe that shows up at the warehouse and immediately he's, I guess since he's in this, God damn it. I can't remember the name. What was it again? Uh, the recovery, recovery house. Uh, yeah. The recovery house youth shelter. I'll remember it at some point. The recovery house youth shelter. I guess since John Doe's here, it's just natural that he becomes an angry young man all of a sudden. So when they're asking him a question, he's just like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he asks for like uh, coffee or Coke. And he's like, not the drug. He's like, bruh. Drugs would make this movie infinitely better. Please, more drugs. I need to take drugs to watch this. Y'all should do drugs to make this movie better. And it's so Please. it's so horrible. You get the little you get the scene where um it has the little girl and he's like she's going play with me, and then his response is tell me who I am, and then her response is I won't tell. 
They filmed that. They wrote that down and then they filmed that. Like <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like they were having two different conversations. Oh yeah. And I, I guess since uh, Lisa Zane is well, before I even talk about that, let's let's talk about Spencer, Tracy, and Carlos's master plan to escape from the recovery youth house recovery <laughs> shelter. Well, yeah, the youth house recovery shelter. Let's talk about their master plan. <laughs> it's a you mean to, to, to get in the back of a van? It's almost the same fucking plot from an episode of uh, King of the Hill, which I know came later, but you know, it's a sitcom and it was supposed to be stupid when, when they're, uh, when Bill Boomhauer and Dale get checked into the uh, mental hospital, you know, cause Boomhauer had stayed on the inner tube. and was trying to catch those last few sun rays and he just drifted into Dallas. Oh, I remember that vaguely. Yes. And then yes Dale yes. broke in to save him. Because this is more interesting than this movie. Dell broke in to save yeah, him. Yeah. And then Bill checks himself in instead of coming <laughs> to get him. <laughs> and so they devise a plan to fucking escape through the laundry and leave on a, uh, a van. And Bill fucking sold him out in group. Oh, man. But yeah, much, should, more, much more entertaining than this. Uh, infinitely. Infinitely. Uh, so yeah, they have the plan to sneak out in the van. That apparently nobody fucking checks before they take a van. You feel like this would be protocol, right? Oh, you're going to take a van? Hey, check it. Make sure we don't have any stowaways on there. We got Spencer making fucking pipe bombs, so it's not out of the realm have of possibility. Have you seen this abandoned warehouse that they call a youth shelter in this van? Nobody gives a flying fuck. Well, yeah, nobody's- apparently, apparently nobody's looking at the fucking van ever. Otherwise, they might have caught some of that graffiti. Or just cleaned the motherfucker up. No. Because it looks like if Fred Sanford had a van on Sanford and Son, this is what it would have fucking looked like with all the shit inside. He's, you know, in the back of his truck, he always had a bunch of shit. Yeah. Yeah. This movie would have been better with Fred Sanford in it. <sighs> now you got me wanting to watch Sanford and Son he instead of this shit. He could have just gave Freddie one right in the kisser. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, um... <laughs> Yeah, so they, they, they got this fucking plan to escape, and then Maggie is like, hey, John Doe, I'm such a great person. Let's go back to Springwood and try to figure out what the fuck's going on. Whatever about that, who cares? Here's the main thing I want to point out is they get in a van, and they go to Springwood, and as soon as they pull out, they see like a thing, Springwood, two miles. Yeah, really. <laughs> you didn't get fucking far. I guess that I guess when you roll down the hill, you're in the next town over. <laughs> it felt a little. Uh, it felt a little like Lisa Zane was kind of sweet on John Doe, didn't it? She was. She was really invested in this. You know, he could yeah. have been just a a, a meth tweaker. You, you know? could have. You could have been putting that inter- energy towards your other patients that you already have. Fucking yeah, Tracy trying that for Yafed Kodo. What are you doing in this movie, Yafed Kodo? That's exactly what I wrote down too, man. Like the best person in the movie, the best actor by far, and it's Yafed Kodo. It's like, come on, man. Did you owe somebody a favor? Did Bob Shea have nude pictures of you? Man, yeah. Like, I don't know. It's so weird to see somebody like Yafed Kodo in this movie. Like, he went from Alien in 1979. Like. Yeah. 
a Bond villain. And and he's the only motherfucker that, in this movie that's trying to act. He's like, you get that feeling. He's like, look, I've got experience with horror movies, having been an alien. And the rest yeah. of them are like, screw you. We're going to do what we want. <laughs> screw you, Yafet Kodo. You don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> and they, uh, it's speaking of, speaking of people trying to act, uh, Roseanne and Tom Arnold. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. We're going, getting to fucking Springwood in the carnival. The carnival that you know, carnivals are usually for children. They're they're usually for they're usually for children. And I guess if you don't have children for your carnival, you end up with a sad fucking carnival. I guess. I guess. Why are you putting on a fucking carnival if you ain't got children? And, and Roseanne sees a child and, oh, I want to keep him. Like it's a fucking puppy, a stray puppy. And it was Tom, nice to see Tom Arnold, though. Tom Arnold's like, I don't know. No. I just like seeing Tom Arnold. Well, this is at the height of their popularity. They recently oh, got yeah, married, right? Is, Roseanne was still. They were, I don't know what couple you would say now, but they were like the Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie of 99. I mean, they were hot. They were sexy. They I mean, it's uh, it's the Kardashians and whatever basketball player they've recently married, right? Well, you know, we're recording this on, I don't even know what today is, but yeah. Uh, Kim and Kanye is getting a divorce. Yeah. Didn't think you'd get that on a Very Unreasonable Things podcast, did you? Especially after that man made a hologram of her father telling her that her husband is a Genius. I mean, he made a hologram of Robert Kardashian. Yeah, you didn't see that. It, he he did a hologram. It no. was a nice gesture, and I, and I guess if you got fucking Kanye West money, you can do those sort of things. But they had a video of it. And it looked really cool. So he has this fucking hologram of Robert Kardashian talking to Kim, telling her how much he for her birthday, telling her how much he loved her, and blah blah blah. And in this speech he's given, he acknowledges Kanye West is a genius. <sighs> <laughs> I love it though. Like, why not? Yeah. Why the fuck not? You spending all this money on this goddamn hologram. You might as well give a shout out to yourself, right? That's funny. Uh, yeah. It's fucking Roseanne and Tom Arnold. They found the hideaway or the stowaways in the van, and they're like, "Look, you guys take the van back to the." <laughs> there was your chance to escape. Yeah. Right. You. Yeah, your whole plan was for not, apparently, because you were just going to, Lisa Zane, trusting. You got a motherfucker making pipe bombs. You got these three idiots that hatched this plan to escape. And then you got apparently even bigger idiot being like, you guys take the van back. I trust you. How is Lisa Zane a person of power in this youth recovery shelter house? It's got to be, this was the only job she could get with her poor academics and decision-making skills. Right. She probably applied to like more prestigious areas and they're like, uh, yeah, I remember that time you gave that uh heroin addict a needle. <laughs> I, I don't think you can work here. We, we don't, we don't approve of your methods. You can't just give an alcoholic vodka. So here we are at the, in, a, in an abandoned warehouse. Yeah. I, I, I still can't remember the fight. I keep forgetting it. This is horrible. Um, it's probably because this movie was so bad. But yeah, she gives them the fucking van and they and they go to leave. And you got Tracy driving because 
should have probably kicked everybody else's ass if they tried to drive first. But what I noticed about whatever, they can't leave the town. Freddy's using his god powers even though they're not sleeping. Because I don't understand this right. Freddy's trying to escape Springwood, and you have to assume it's because his powers are diminishing. But yet he's able to affect things in daytime. They can't leave, and they get this little montage of the van driving around, right? And every time they cut to a different shot, it's like a side swipe of the van. Oh, it's riveting. The only thing I could think about was they should use star wipes. I mean, why not at this point? But More star wipes. (laughs) Can we talk about the Simpsons? Can we talk about anything else, man? Yeah. Every transition in this movie should have been a star wipe. <laughs> you know what? Better movie. Yeah. And it's funny, though, because they, they finally stop and they're getting upset because they fucking lost. And 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 this is when we find out Breckenmeyer is, you know, um, he likes the bud. So he sparks up a joint. And Oh, man, Carlos- you think he fucking uh, just broke out some... Uh- Fucking heroin or something, and started. I, I mean, cooking the way they reacted was yeah. quite astounding. But Carlos calls him. He says, "You're such a high ho." Yeah, was that a saying? <laughs> I had never heard it uh, before. I? I've never heard it since. A high ho, and Carlos's nightmare was a very big map. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh he's got a fear of cartography. Like if it was a really short guy, Carlos was like four foot eleven. Would his nightmare be a very big chair? I mean, cartographophobia is that what it would be? I guess if we're just yeah, I mean, I guess God, if we're just wouldn't it? I know there's a fear like like they got phobias for a lot of shit. Wouldn't it be fucking hilarious if there was a fear of maps and it was called cartographophobia? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and then that was a real fear that Carlos had. And you're making fun of them, you piece of shit. God damn you. You insensitive motherfuckers. It reminds me of, uh, oh my God, uh, the Miss South Carolina pageant. <laughs> Some people don't have maps. <laughs> Carlos did. You should have fucking talked to him. Dude, he had a map of the entire world. Um, was, oh, you got to cut that. It was so bad. <laughs> He had a map of the entire world. We got to follow the rules of comedy. You just keep saying it until it's funny, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what what is uh what does Elm Street even mean? If everybody in fucking Springwood's crazy, because everybody in this town is fucking bad shit. Again, again, like if you showed somebody like the first three nightmares, and then you showed them this this. This abortion of a movie. Where did it all go wrong? Like, well, I have an answer for that, but I'm saving it. We'll I'm gonna talk about it a little later because a lot of things I want to talk. Well, I say a lot well, of things. It might end up being like fucking ten seconds. But you, no, you might just nod and agree. With like, you're right. You're right. This is profound. You're 100. percent But you know, correct. it's like I said in my synopsis, though, and we might as well just transition a little bit. It you know a lot can be placed at the at the feet of uh, a lot of the blame can be placed at the feet of Rachel Talalay, but it's also Robert Shea and Robert England. No, it's Rachel Talalay. That's enemy number one, but yeah, no, they're, they're, they're responsible also, but I, I blame her for a large portion of this and I'm going to get to that. Um, 
Yeah, so Carlos has this fucking nightmare about the map. We fucking drive around, and I don't, I don't even remember what fucking happened. And I, and I just watch this shit. But eventually, Carlos did he fall asleep in the van, or did they stop somewhere? I can't mm-hmm. remember. He fell asleep. In the, he fell asleep in the van, and then they stop because she lets Brick and Meyer drive, and he sucks too. Yeah, because this movie sucks. And finally, they get out on and decide to walk on their stupid feet and they find the stupid house and they take their stupid asses inside the stupid house. But fucking Carlos ends up like having his one-on-one with Freddie. And has anybody died yet? I can't even remember how long it took for somebody. No, to die. nobody's died yet. It, they die rapid fire. But when I say they die rapid fire, three people dying and that's it. And I'm, I'm, I don't have a problem with a low body count in a movie. As long as the deaths are meaningful. They're normally pretty low in nightmare movies. And that, well, this movie needed a large body count. That's what I'm getting at. Like, if you're going to be a bad movie, you need a large body count with creative deaths. Like, Jason goes to hell. Yeah, well, I also just want to point out before we get into Carlos's fucking death. Um, again, it's it's the how, how dare you Freddy's dead segment. Is there was a um, newspaper clipping that Lisa Zane saw when, they, when her and John Doe went into the school. And it said four dead in Ohio. Oh, yeah. And I was like, fuck you again, man. Like Neil Young should have sued. And I or wasn't Crosby, even. I, I wasn't or Steels or yeah. Nash. Yeah. Well, you know, I wasn't even jumping ahead that like to his uh, Carlos's death so much as I was just talking about like the fact that it's a low body count. The body count happens, you know, back to back to back pretty much. And all these deaths suck. Right. All of them. Yeah. Carlos's scene at least pertains to his disability, and I guess a fear he has. Freddy, also, does Bregan Mars a fear of video games? And a fear of not getting high and accidentally playing video, taking playing video shrooms. games, playing video games sober. Um, yeah, yeah. Freddie cuts off Carlos ear. He takes his fucking hearing aid. He gives it back to him, and then <sighs> you get. This fucking comic comedy routine, you know, where it's, you know, cartoon noises and Freddy acting like he's tiptoeing around and breaking the fourth wall, looking at the camera going, shh. And before we even get to that, I will say this, um, talking about the HD and old movies, if you look at Freddy's glove, when it shows a close up, you can see what looks to be hot glue on the tips of the blades, I guess, to keep somebody from accidentally getting cut. I did not even notice that. Yeah. So I guess at least safety first, but yeah, this, this scene's fucking stupid. Um, well, now you get a really good scene, a really good look of Freddy too. And the makeup, I mean, nobody put any effort in this movie, the makeup for Freddy, it, he looks like bubble gum. It is, but watching Freddy jump around behind Carlos and do a little dance. I wrote now the dumbest thing in this movie is happening. Like this is, yeah, it was it was pretty fucking horrible. Eventually, Carlos's head explodes. Goodbye, Carlos. Thankfully, you got out early. Some people were Johnny so Depp. Oh yeah, yeah, Johnny Depp. Why? You know, I guess he, at least he's being loyal to a franchise that gave him his start. But this wasn't the place. I'd have been. This wasn't the time or the place. Yeah, no. do a cameo in another movie, but this isn't it. I mean, it's got to be a bigger regret than marrying Amber Heard, wouldn't you assume? <laughs> well, he did get to keep his fingers in this movie. 
Carlos kicks the bucket, and I guess because we got to have some people die, it's on dispenser, whose only purpose in this movie was to smoke joints up until this point. And they don't even understand how marijuana works in this movie. Well, he starts hallucinating after he smokes some. Yeah. Like, where can I find that bud at, you know? <laughs> One of my biggest complaints about Spencer's scene was what's happening in his dream is still happening in real life. It's like when you see him jumping in a dream, he's fucking doing these video game jumps in real life, and the people are watching him. Like, that's not how that worked. That's not how that ever worked. Other than when, uh, I know in part three, when Philip did uh, had to do the whole puppet routine with Freddy, and Freddy had cut his veins you know, and used them as marionette strings, which was a much better, excuse me, a much better fucking death than this. And and he's just, he still looks like he's normally walking, right? Fucking Breckin Myers, just Mario hopping all over the place. And it's, like I said, it's dumb. It's stupid. It's horrendous. I can't even think of more words. I would rather let a cat piss in my eyes than have to watch this. They cut and edited this. They filmed it, and they were like, yeah, this is fine. That's, I can't, I mean, and maybe it's recency bias. I can't think of anything else that I've seen that's as dumb as this in, in movie history. And, like, we knew Car- uh, Freddy was getting cartoony. You know, you could see it in the other movies. But, I mean, mm-hmm. even, and I can't remember if it was four or five, but the Roach Motel scene, once again, played, four. played off a person's fear, right? And no. still, still a cool scene. Like that was a nice special effect when she's lifting the weights and her elbows oh, yeah. break open. Yeah. Here, so you just get Spencer bouncing around the house, breaking the laws of physics, which you know hasn't been established in a fucking movie. And then you know, Freddie does the whole power glove scene. And I don't even know what else. I don't even really want to talk about it anymore, just because it's fucking horrible. I mean, what can you say, really, though? Because I mean, I'm. It's almost like if anybody's listening to this who hasn't seen the movie, it's almost like you need to see it to believe it. I guess this is what you could say is at least Breckenmeyer was able to find work after this movie. Good for you. Yeah. He's he's had a pretty successful career. I feel like with this black mark on your resume, it could have been a, you know, Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, look at a lot of people in this movie, you know? So Spencer's dead. We got to have one more person die. So let's go ahead and kill off John Doe because we, we tried to do some misdirection with like, who was Freddie's child? John Doe thought it was him, but Freddie's like, no, bro, it's not you. I just need you to get back to my daughter. And John Doe's death is another death that somehow bleeds out into the real world. Right. Cause he gets sucked out of the top of the van. And Whose death is dumber? John Doe's or Brecken Myers? I, mean, I feel like the, I want to say Breck and Meyer. Yeah, I think I'd go with Breck and Myers. Just, just because. Too. Just watching him hop around the house. Yeah. And the video game. God damn. Yeah, and the sounds. Yeah. And watching Freddy play a video game. And then, you go and like, then actually oh, say the graphics. lines. This is, yeah, great graphics. Now I'm playing with power. I mean. This movie's so. I guess, well, I guess parts of it are memorable and parts of it aren't worth remembering and it's all for the wrong reasons. But I honestly don't even really remember how John Doe died. I just know he died and that he had told Freddie told John Doe that he wasn't his child. He was just trying to get back to his daughter. But what, what was the death, Josh? 
No, it was it was Looney Tunes again. That's um, I guess John Doe had gotten his his room was on fire, and he jumped out and he had the parachute, and then Freddy's on top of the parachute. And then Freddy starts cutting the lines of the parachute, and that's when he tells John Doe. Oh, hey, hold on. Before you say that part, that's right, because he jumps out, and, and, and while he's in the real world in the van, nothing's happening, right? But when he pulls the parachute cord, he flies out of the fucking van. But I thought he was in the house when he landed on the spikes, because Freddy pulls, up, pulls spikes into the road for him to land on. Well, it's after – now, he was in the van because he flew out of the top of the van because they were trying to get back to uh, – whatever the town two miles from Springwood is to the recovery shelter youth center or whatever it is. Warehouse recovery house, youth shelter. I don't know what the fuck it's called. Yeah. And then, and then Freddie said to him, what, while he's uh, chopping away at his, uh, I, I can't remember what he said. He basically told him like, uh, uh, you are, I am not the father, Maury Povich style. (laughs) Which pretty much sealed his fate. And then, yeah, he, he cut the, then, uh, I remember now, he cut the parachute and he fell. And like you said, he pushed the spikes out into the road, which is fucking stupid. But once again, we're still dealing with like a God Freddy at this point, who's like John Doe didn't have a chance to fight back. Spencer didn't have a chance to fight back. Carlos didn't have a chance to fight back. They had no control whatsoever over that and no way of not dying. And then as soon as these three guys are dead, those powers for Freddie disappear other than his power to somewhat possess his daughter, I guess. Well, it's it. Well, right before John Doe um, meets his maker, I think he tells Lisa Zane, right? That she, she's Freddie's daughter, right? No, he, he, she doesn't find it out until later. It still takes her a minute because she goes to her house, her parents' house. And she finds, through convenience of storytelling, the adoption papers. Yeah, and she her goes mom talk- comes in. Yeah, and for both of these people to find out, like, okay, my adopted daughter knows now she's adopted, and for Lisa Zane, who's like a thirty-year-old social worker, to realize, you know, oh shit, I'm adopted. These people handed it, handled it pretty fucking chill. <laughs> It was kind of amazing. Her mom was like, I don't know who your parents were. There's strict rules about that. And it's like, <laughs> shouldn't there be another conversation going on right now? It's like, why didn't you tell me? Yeah, right. They end up back at the warehouse. They talk to Yafet Kodo, who gives them some advice on dreams. You know, all while probably wishing he wasn't in this fucking movie. Yafet, and, and then and, Freddy decides to, to spill the beans to Yafet Kodo about dream people. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he, he just becomes a bond villain. Well, well, it's probably because he was a bond villain, and Freddy's like, hey, man, you've hey, game recognizes game. Yeah, right. He's like, let me go ahead and give you some exposition here, some supervillain dialogue before and then Sean I think Connery. Yafet Kodo beats him up, doesn't he? I cannot remember. I may have blinked or like not looked at the screen at that point. Well, I, I literally have like a, a point in my notes towards like, I've stopped taking notes. Yeah. We're not there yet though, but I, I know that Yafet Kodo made a point to be like, he's in control of his dreams. So he's not getting fucked with at some point. I can't remember exactly 
where it was at, but you get the the flashback sequences with Maggie seeing her childhood oh. with uh, Freddie and all that. And, and then obviously, oh, you see, it's in the dream. It's when she goes in. That's right. So, yeah, before we get there, they devise this plan to kill Freddie once and for all. And the plan to kill Freddie, because I remember Freddie, uh, I can't remember when he talks about it, but Freddie does name off the name or name off the ways they tried to kill him before, right? They burned him. They buried his bones. They used the holy water. They did all these different things to kill him, and none of them worked. And and Freddy is forever or whatever it was. We swing back around, and they come up with this plan to kill Freddy, and it's the exact same plan from Nightmare <laughs> Street. We can pull Freddy. That's what it was. Freddy Yafet Koto was in a dream with Freddy, and he grabbed a part of his. He ripped sweater and ripped it out. The exact same plan from Nightmare on Elm Street. That's symmetry, bro. Yeah. Except now we're going to use martial arts and pipe bombs. And I know we yep. did. I know we did. And Ninja on, Stars. Yeah. And let's let's hold off on that before we talk. Get too far into it. But I know we dicked on uh, Nightmare on Elm Street one because Nancy set up a bunch of traps in like ten minutes. And then went and kissed her mm-hmm. mom goodnight and then fell asleep within five more minutes. Also, she could do this in a 20 minute time frame. But I had to kill to have that now. Oh, yeah. God. That's that's competent filmmaking compared yeah. to this. So, we, yeah, we've got the plan to kill Freddy. We're, you got to go into the dream world. Here's some fucking 3D glasses because they can be whatever you want in your dreams. Then why do you even need 3D glasses? Why couldn't it just be a fucking quarter she had in her pocket or something? I mean, and they never like. You know, this is almost like Jason goes to hell territory with the dagger. Yeah. I've never explained that, like, what the fuck are these glasses for, really? Yeah. I mean, it's I know what it's for is to tell the audience to put on, put your on yours. Glasses. Yeah. And you got the you got the fucking dream demons that gave Freddy his powers or something. You know, it's almost like, hey, let's uh, let's borrow a little bit from child's play. He made the deal before he died and got transferred into a a doll's body. Let's have some mystical forces at work here. You didn't have to explain it. We didn't need dreams. Oh, you see, you got me thinking about a better movie, you know, <laughs> like yeah, just right? a movie I would have preferred to, to watch. Trace, Tracy ends up falling asleep too, right? Cause then she have like a one-on-one with Freddie in the dream. Yeah. Because this is where this movie oh, decides yeah, yeah. to tackle child abuse. That's right. Yeah. I will give the movie a plus on this, not not the scene, but the actor. The actor's very believable. He looks yeah, steady. she he, yeah, she did an admirable admirable job. Yeah, I'm not talking about Tracy. I'm talking about the the dad. Oh yeah, he was he was cute. Tracy did shit. Her character was horrible, just acting like a badass. Whatever. No, she didn't stand out as bad in this. Movie. The dad, uh, but the dad that was supposed to, I guess, be a molester. I mean. The way they made him look sweaty and all that, and he was he was fine in the movie, but yeah, then you get Tracy and Freddie fighting, fighting, and you know she's using her kickboxing skills, blah blah blah. We've seen this before. All of a sudden, Freddie lacks the god powers to kill her, like he did Spencer, Carlos, and John. It is Pat. so odd that she lived, isn't it? Like, yeah, and she could have died. It could have been another dead character. Or you could have, yeah. If you wanted to have, like, push Freddy as a threat, maybe have him kill you off at Kodo. 
after you know he gives them the details on how to win. Well, Freddy's a, a a literal and a figurative joke throughout this movie because if he's not doing uh, gags and pratfalls, he is getting his ass kicked. Yeah, by every, the three people who lived each got their like "I'm gonna kick your ass, Freddy" moment, which was. Could you imagine if Jason got his ass kicked like three separate occasions? It's you know? like um, compared to like an RPG video game, right? When you play a role-playing game, your character powers up as the game goes on. It levels up and it gets more powerful and it gets more powerful. Well, it's like Freddy was going in the exact opposite. Yeah. He started off powerful, but he was working his way backwards and he's working his way from level 99 to level one. So now, it, not- you just described this franchise yeah. So by the time he fights, Perfectly. by the time he fights Lisa Zane or Maggie, you know, he's it's it's fuck it's not even worth it. But she goes into the dream, and I know we're skipping past um, Tracy's confrontation with Freddy, and that's because. But you know, they they kind of I guess in a, in a way they 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 hearken back to the first one because she. You know, she has this fight with Freddy, um, and it's it's captivating seeing fifty year old Robert England and this actress fight, and then like she puts her hands over the stove to burn herself awake, sort of like how Nancy did. Yeah, and that first was one, you know? that was a nice special effect when you looked at her wrist later on. They did look bubbly. I mean. I guess if we're just handing out free compliments like candy, yeah. Well, no. Way to go, Freddy's dead. Well, I don't think they've been free like candy. I think we've been pretty hard. Um, I mean, but you get you get a uh, you get Maggie and Freddy finally. She goes into the dream. It doesn't take very long after she. You have to see the flashbacks to Freddy's childhood. You know, he's smashing hamsters. Alice Cooper. Well, uh, even before Alice Cooper, he's smashing hammers on rodents in a classroom. That's not before Alice Cooper. Was it? It wasn't? Oh. No. Okay. Well, I don't know. Cause that, it seems like having Alice Cooper elementary as a school would be cool. That was elementary school, and then they cut to Freddy as like a teenager, and he's cutting himself to let the sad out. And Alice Cooper comes down, and he's like, now it's time to give you your medicine. Well, that would be after elementary school, right? Yeah. You, you said, said before. before. No, you said before. No, you said it was before. No, I said the Check elementary the tape. school. I said the elementary school. Check was the before. tape. If I'm wrong, edit this out. If I'm right, leave it, double it, triple it. <laughs> I feel like I, one of us is wrong. It may be me, but I thought I said that the elementary school scene was first, where he's smashing the rodents with a hammer. And then, yeah, you get Freddie cutting himself. He's probably listening to my chemical romance. Shots fired. No, I was just, I'm talking about the emo scene. I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm joking. I, I, I give zero shits. But, but yeah, it he's, is he's ahead of his this, time. No, it's weird, man, because like they have Breckenmeyer making pipe bombs, calling his dad a rapist just willy nilly. And then Freddy Krueger's like killing hamsters. This movie doesn't think too highly of the youth of America, do they? Which is their prime audience, their target audience, mind you. Well, it, it didn't think too much. Well, maybe it's. It doesn't think too much of anybody. Almost forty-year-old at this point. <laughs> Jackasses. <laughs> the, uh, I, I feel like they just thought, like, hey, we'll put anything out here, and these idiots will buy it. To an extent, they were right, I guess. So I mean, we're talking about it. 
Yeah. You got uh, Freddy's getting whipped by Alice Cooper. Then Freddy has a bunch of gloves. And they made such a big deal in the first movie about the construction of the glove, right? In that opening scene. Just uh, to find out that Freddy has a bunch of gloves and that really that glove doesn't matter as much, I guess. And I hate it. Well, when- I guess well, we, we saw the prototypes, you know? Yeah. I don't know. And the mom finds out and she's like, I won't tell or blah, blah, blah. And then Maggie goes down in the basement, sees everything. And then she comes upstairs out of the basement and Freddie's killing her mom. And then Freddie gets burned up because we already knew that part of the backstory about Freddie getting burned. And I guess he makes the deal with the uh, dream demons as he's burning alive. And the dream demons conveniently waited until he caught on fire and his skin melted sufficiently to be like, sure, we'll do this. We haven't pointed out, but these dream demons look a lot like sperm too. (laughs) Right. It's fucking worms floating around. And then I guess finally Maggie and Freddie come together in the dream and she grabs a hold of them. They pull her out of the dream. And then we get into this final showdown that was God awful. I mean, what? I mean, she ends up throwing knives and ninja stars to stick him to the to the wall. And I guess before we even talk about that, let's just go ahead and be like, what kind of what kind of recovery shelter, youth center, whatever the fuck it was called? I think he finally got it right. Uh, Wait, youth recovery? I can't even. Whatever the place is called, like how much? How many? Weapons are you going to confiscate before you're like, you know what? We can't reach Breckenmeyer or Tracy. We need to call the cops. It's like a police evidence locker. Right. With as much fucking weapons. And and I didn't know that they had a fucking ninja problem. Because you got nunchucks, ninja stars. The Foot Clan must have showed up in that town. I would have loved the reverse of you just switch Maximum Overdrive and Freddy's dead. And Maximum Overdrive... Like all that owner had downstairs was like ninja stars and nunchucks, and they just started throwing them at the fucking semi, you know, the semis. And in this movie, they just had like guns. And when Freddy showed up in the real world, they just blasted his ass to fucking hell. Oh man, oh, yeah, he shows up in the fucking real world. They fight, like you said, and all of a sudden Maggie, and not only does Maggie throw this shit at him, but oh, she's she a is. weapon expert. Ooh. She is precise. Yeah. Like she must have played that Ninja Gaiden game when Breckenmeyer was too high and passed out. Must have. At least in the other movies, it made sense. You know, when uh, Alice was absorbing powers, you know. No, nah, because that makes sense. Well, <laughs> but she had her dream power and it was to absorb the other dream powers <laughs> of the Dream Warriors and Dream Warrior Juniors I mean, of whatever. Yeah. I know what you're saying. I mean, this Justice League some, of Dream Warriors. This franchise has taken some leaps and bounds that you either go with it or you don't. But Maggie has no reason to be a weapon. It's not even her character. It's like a Tracy. Like at least they established Tracy as like a fighter, and she walked up in there and you know, had the nunchucks and you know whipped Freddy's ass a little bit. You'd no. be like, okay. Lisa Zane's character should have tagged out to Tracy. Yeah. And then just come in at because the, they didn't. And, and one thing they didn't do, like they didn't, and I thought they did, and I was wrong. But you know, and Jason goes to hell. It had to be a family member, right? Like yeah. it didn't have to be a family member here. 
You're right. Tracy should have been in there. Or it was supposed to be a family member, and then they filmed it and edited it and released it, and then, like, fucking Rachel Galloway's like, oh, shit, I forgot to put that in there. Right. <laughs> we forgot this line of dialogue. As to why it was it has on to another be- construction paper that I wrote it on with magic marker. <laughs> it was this one where I used three crayons. Oh, damn it. Lisa Zane's fucking pinning him to the wall, like you said, with fucking precision. Gets the glove, you know, and Freddie tries to, I don't know, use his influence. And it's not like Freddie's ever been established as having a silver tongue, right? He hasn't persuaded well. anybody to do shit. Um, <laughs> but she stabs him with a glove and then she sticks a pipe bomb. On, oh, no. Fucking Tracy has the pipe bomb lit already. And she's like, here, take this. And and it and it is like watching like nineteen ninety one WWF, you know. You You're waiting for Duke to dumpster Josie to come in there. Lisa Zanes, the Rockers. Whoa, whoa. Shawn no. Michaels and Marty Janetti. You son of a bitch, take that back. Uh uh-uh. uh. Don't be sully in the name of Shawn Michaels and Marty Janetti like that. Yafet Kodo's like the crowd. And he was just cheering him on. He ain't really doing much at this point. You know. He's the I guess guy. Freddie's like Mr. Fuji. Yeah, I think Cody was the guy in the crowd when Undertaker finally got beat at WrestleMania. <laughs> He's just like, what well, the fuck? Yeah, I think Cody ain't even emoting that much. He's just ready to cash the check and get the fuck out. Yeah, fucking tosses a live pipe bomb. Like, you don't know how fast that uh, fuse is going to burn. You didn't build that. That was Spencer's baby. You had the throwing stars and the nunchucks. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you, Tracy? Like <laughs> you could have killed late great. It wouldn't surprise me if uh this was Tracy's plan to escape the youth house recovery center or whatever the fuck it's called. I'm sure I'm still butchering it. She's probably secretly thinking, like, man, I'll light this pipe bomb, I'll give it to Maggie, and they'll both blow up, and then I'll take the van and get the fuck out of here. Yeah, well, you know, it, it makes me think about like could could you explain Breckenmeyer's death to the authorities <laughs> without them putting you in a fucking straight jacket? Right. Well, how did Carlos's head explode? Well, no, Carlos's head explode didn't. Did it explode in the real world or not? They, they never found him. They just found his, his bloody <laughs> urinate. Oh yeah, which is <laughs> oh, so dude. insulting. Oh, I forgot, right? Freddy's in there. I think I did some of my notes, but before they get locked in this cage, like it's fucking early UFC, you know, that's what fucking Maggie should have done. She should have punched him in the nuts over and over like that one dude did in that fight. But um, before they even get locked in the cage, Freddy's climbing the fucking roof like Spider-Man, dude. Oh, yeah. did You know what? Kind of effective. Kind yeah, of. but he's not supposed to have powers. I'm a sucker for that. Would be fine if he put up more of a fight. I know, I know. Like, I'm not gonna name it now because, like, it's one of my favorite horror movies of all time. There was a movie that did that in the last like four years, and it was just, I don't know. It's scary. It's almost like Reagan coming down the stairs. You know, the spider walk in The Exorcist. She fucking shoves the pipe, gives him the pipe bomb. Um, I can't remember where she puts it. But yeah, you know, she stabbed him. And she just puts it in his stomach, don't you? She stabbed just... him with the glove. And then she, the one, and another thing that fucking 
Jason Goes to Hell didn't do, and I don't know if I mentioned it on that episode, on part one of this shithole extravaganza. But they at least resisted the urge to have a one-liner. But not Freddy's Dead. Freddy's Dead is going to no. do all the fucking cliches. So what was it? Happy Father's Day or some shit like that? Yeah, and gives him a kiss. Yeah. And then, and then she sticks it in. And before it explodes, Freddy looks at the camera and Just says, kids. kids. Yeah. God damn. And then Freddy blows up and the dream demons do whatever dream demons do when they die. In a poor they usually get cleaned up by Kleenex, by, an, <laughs> by a, <laughs> there's evidence of a teenager. <laughs> And who cleaned up dreaming, dude, who cleaned up Freddy's demon fucking sperm. Freddy's dead. Supposedly the final nightmare is over and we roll credits. And here's the best part of the entire movie is when they show scenes. Yeah. When they show scenes from other movies. Yeah. It's like, it's great at reminding us how far this franchise has fallen. Yeah. And then, yeah, I had to note about the Google dolls having three fucking songs on his soundtrack. I'm surprised their career was able to take off after being on here three times. Uh, well, it's a little bit different than, you know, Iggy pop has a song on here. Yeah. And I can, I'm surprised Alice Cooper didn't contribute. Alice Cooper gave us a classic. He song gave us already. uh he gave us man He's behind back. the mask, yeah. but it is surprising. So final thoughts on this. Oh, oh no, we're not done. Fucking we're, not, we're, not, of movies. We're, not, we're not on final thoughts. Yet. Uh, let me, uh, let me do like you did. Do you like you did me last episode? You're jumping too far ahead. Let's slow down. We so can we, still give our final thoughts. No, we, still talk I, about the movie. I've got lots of thoughts. So let's first off, I did a little research outside of uh so I did some digging around a little more research uh, to talk about this. Cause this movie pisses me off. Um, Jason goes to hell, pisses me off. Jason goes to hell, pisses me off because I think it's hard to screw up a Friday the 13th type scenario. You just need a serial killer killing people in the woods, right? At a at a summer camp. Easy. How do you fuck that up? But here Hold my beer. Yeah, yeah. So you, you got this movie, and there was we already know about the Peter Jackson script that was floating around, right? Where yeah. he had submitted a script to New Line, and apparently it was they thought it was gonna be too expensive to make. Now to New Line's credit and to Bob Shea's credit, because I was just reading about this actually yesterday. Or maybe it was this morning. I don't know. But they were talking about how Bob Shea helped them make the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And originally they said that his script for Nightmare was too expensive. But with Lord of the Rings, they're like, no, it needs to be more expensive. We want to be able to make the movie the way you want to make it. Yeah, Bob Shea gets a lot of credit for, well, for you, uh, you, you Lord of the Rings, definitely. And if, and if I can find an article, I'll uh, send it to you. You need to read it. Which I've about, heard about it. Well, they talked about... about well, the article I read was talking about Weinstein and like his involvement in it and like how they purposely leaked the script through ain't it cool to keep him from fucking it up. It's worth reading. That's what I'll, say. I'll find it and I'll link it to you. Well, um, which script? So originally Lord of the Rings was going to be two movies. Well, the original plan was it was going to be three movies, but the first movie is going to be the Hobbit. And then it had been two Lord of the Rings movies. And then it was cut down to, uh, two movies and it was going to be the fellowship of the ring and then war of the ring. And then Weinstein was like, Hey, we want the movie to be one movie. So yeah, there were other scripts for this movie before we settled on Freddy's dead. 
and Peter Jackson had a script and uh, one of the reasons what I had read or heard was that they didn't go with it was because it was too expensive to make. And obviously Rachel Talley at this point has a bunch of influence, but you know, what could have been with that script, right? Is it my turn? It is. <laughs> <laughs> no. And, and uh, like, I wonder if you could find the script online um, because I I, I, I'd love to read it because I read a um, Wes Craven's original script for uh, dream warriors. Cause you know, they went to him yeah. and him and Bruce Wagner wrote a spec and, you know, obviously then Frank Darabont and Chuck Russell came in and cleaned it up and made it into what it was. What I've always heard this Peter Jackson script was, was Freddie had no more power yeah. in his dreams. So kids would get willingly go into their dreams. Like, I don't know. Uh, he became a joke. That up. He became a joke and people, he was an old man. And they were going go in there, there basically and beating up on him. Beat him shit, up. Right? Yeah. And, you know, Peter Jackson at that time, he was almost. I don't want to, you know, say anything false here, but I think he was mainly just a horror movie guy too at this point. Yeah, you know, he hadn't. But yeah, I don't think he had done anything like that. He had uh, he had submitted the script, and then he went on and did I think some movies, and then later on he started making a name for himself, and then he was able to come back to New Line with Lord of the Rings, and then Bob Shea. And it was that relationship he'd already set up with Bob Shea that yeah. And then Bob Shea's like, hey, I know we said too expensive the first time, but now we want you to spend the money and make your movie. Um, So that script, even though it didn't get made, had to be better than the shit we got. Uh, Another script idea that I read about involved a 15-year-old Jacob, you know, Alice's son. Yeah. Fighting Freddy after he kills his mom and he teaming up with, I guess, a new generation of dream warriors. And already it's so much better than. Yeah. Look, anything we say from here on, we could just ad lib a script right now and it's better than what we got. Okay. Yeah. Freddie takes a bus from New York to California. Better movie. So, yeah. And he's got a dog as a best friend. And along the way, they just meet strangers and they become friends. And there's a magical <laughs> um, a spaceship. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just. Here has always been my stance on Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. It goes, to me, the main culprit is Rachel Talalay. Yes, Bob Shea has a hand in it. And yes, Robert England has a hand in it. But Rachel Talalay's rise to power in the franchise and the decline in quality cannot be coincidental, right? She set out, or apparently her involvement was minimal in part two, and her involvement was minimal on part five to where in an interview, she said that they were the most poorly regarded movies in the franchise. Wait, part three? No, part two. Part, part two, two and part five. Yes. And she said that those were the movies that the fans hated the most, that it was a widespread like opinion amongst fans, which the people I've talked to, and I, and I don't get on message boards or anything like that, but I don't see people shitting on part two. And when you and I talked about part two, you know, it's up there for us. It's the, the third best 
movie in the franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we both agreed on that. Uh, part five is part five. It's it's not good, but it's not Freddy's dead. But even to this day, she seems, to, and I don't want to make it sound like Rachel Talley is a horrible director or anything like that, because she's gone on and apparently done things later on. Apparently, she's made some of the best Doctor Who episodes there are. I don't watch uh, she's Who. directed some Sherlock episodes, too. Yeah. I don't watch Doctor Who, so I can't say, but I have watched some Sherlock. And yeah, I mean, so it's not to say that she's a horrible filmmaker or anything like that, but her involvement in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise uh, and her ideas and thoughts are misguided. And and it's a lack of, I guess, self-awareness for her to be able to go back and be like, yeah, I made some mistakes. When you're trying to say that, oh, well, people like my movie more than they liked part two and part five. I don't feel that's accurate for me and you part two doesn't rank that low. No, I, I don't know. It just seems, it seems like she's speaking out the side of her neck on that because it's, I think universally like, and I, and I feel pretty confident saying that this movie is universally panned by everybody. I've seen some YouTubers rank, the big three movies, um, Freddie, Michael, and Jason, you know, they just rank them as one collective, you know, group. Yeah. And just about every time this movie is ranked dead last. And and the people who comment on it, they're like, this is horse shit. And I don't know, you know, you might not have anybody who hates this movie quite as much as me and you do with as much vigor, but You'll never meet anybody who defends it, though. You yeah. know? And I want to go back to some more Rachel Talley quotes, because I, I managed to find an interview she did online. And and we'll talk about some of the stuff that, obviously, we saw in the uh, Never Sleep Again documentary. And it was on Bloody Disgusting. And they asked her about the decision to go for Goofy with the final nightmare. And they said it was very Looney Tunes, like you said. And to paraphrase it, you know, she was saying it was a combo of Twin Peaks and the fact that the lighter we went, the bigger the audience. And then she says, not necessarily the right choice, I admit. She, they ask her, which is your favorite Elm Street? And she says the series as a whole, because it's all different, so it sparks debate. It's not really a parody of itself like Friday the 13th became. So, and, and I have a problem with that statement. Yeah, Friday the 13th, I mean, by the time we get to like Jason X, for sure. For sure, Jason X is a fucking, it's a, parody of a Friday the 13th movie, right? But they also know, like, the people that made that movie know what that movie was. But you just sit there and say that your franchise didn't become a parody of itself just shows how ignorant you are to what the franchise had become. Or maybe she doesn't know what the word parody means. I mean, it it took Friday the 13th, I'll, I'll say at least until part eight. It took Jason going to Manhattan. It took you... Five movies to become a fucking joke. And you can almost argue Dream Master was. And I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt. But yeah. So yeah. I would give it the benefit of the doubt too. Five but movies. Dream Child fucking, is a fucking joke. Yeah. You're a fucking joke at this point, And you're saying that you're not a parody of yourself. I don't know what you thought this movie was. If you thought this was serious, thoughtful filmmaking or like. You're talking about you went for like a Looney Tunes type thing. And I'm like you. I guess you don't know what parody fucking means because this movie or maybe parody is being too generous because the movie's fucking trash. But then she goes on 
they asked her and they said, did you like Freddy versus Jason? The interviewer says, personally, I loved it. And she says, I saw it in LA with uh, major fans in the audience. So it was righteous, but I disliked that they made the movie full of stuff. There were no rules. So it became junk to me. Ronnie, you didn't even know the series. He didn't mind telling you he didn't care. He just shot action and junk. And I was annoyed. Imagine what we would have done with digital and with the money and with respect to material. Still, it was fun, but I don't think you could have scares when you have no rules. It was complete comic book, not a horror film. That's a fine choice, but it's not Nightmare on Elm Street. Once again, what the fuck do you think this movie you just made was? I mean, it's kind of mind-boggling. I mean, what's a, it's a total lack of some self, of these things. Total lack of self-awareness. And yeah, like we we all make mistakes, right? Can you and this just, was her first movie. I mean, can you just admit it was just, a fucking mistake. I, I know. Yeah, uh, but you're going to sit there and say that it was a comic book. It didn't have any rules. I mean, I think uh, I think it had more rules than this movie had. Oh, it did, and it stuck to them. Yeah, I mean, and and you're saying it didn't respect the series, but I mean, it had Hypnosil, right? Yeah. I mean, there, there were. There were some rules. I'm not it was saying it Weston was, Hills and Hypnosil and yeah, not great. I mean, it's whatever. It's a it's Freddy versus Jason. You were trying to get to a certain point to have a certain movie, but it respected the source material a hell of a lot more than this movie did. A hell of a lot more than you did. And like I said, as you yeah. as you watch Rachel Talley's Rise to Power, you see the movies become more MTV, more Looney Tunes, more you know whatever, let's get Freddie on the night, the talk shows and let's, you know, get the McDonald's Freddie toys or whatever, you know, Freddie's going to become a comedian. And I know that Robert England has a large part in that, but when you watch her do these interviews and when you watch, uh, never sleep again, you see the arrogance in her fucking, you hear it in her voice when she talks about it. And she talks disparagingly about other scripts. When she made those comments about Robert England's script about nightmare three, she does it with arrogance and you made the worst movie in the franchise. I mean, and she's going on to, you know, somewhat have a look, not everybody gets to be a film director. She's had a successful career as a director, you know, uh, you know, like we were discussing with TV. So obviously someone sees a talent um, in her with, you know, behind the camera, but her, I don't know, like, the fact that she's so obtuse to to what she created and her blinders are so uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like she's, she so willingly puts up these blinders on this movie and, and you know what nightmare became. And she was proud of it too. I mean, like when you watch never sleep again, you can, you can hear how she's proud of where she took the series. Did you watch the Never Sleep Again documentary on this? No, on this not, section. No, no, I didn't. Because it, it feels like, you know, yeah, she she's unapologetic in her approach to it. But it feels like last time I saw it, and it got to Freddie's dead, like everybody else realizes the mistake they made. When you listen to her talk about Nightmare on Elm Street three, Dream Warriors, right? And they talk about the Robert England script and Wes Craven. Yeah, not Robert England. Yeah, I don't know why I said that. There was Craven's script and how profane it was. Like I said, she kind of 
chuckles at it and talk, you know, basically talks about how she saved the movie from Wes Craven and they went with the other script. I love Dream Warriors. But that's not true either. Though. I, I love Dream Warriors, but let's also, because, and they talked about the fact too, that they were, she talked about the fact that uh, they went away from having rules in that movie and everybody was just doing everything. We don't know that that Wes Craven movie would have been bad uh, if he had made his version of Nightmare on Elm Street 3. It may have been. We don't know that. But what we do know is that 4, 5, and 6, with your involvement, well, not 5, I guess you said you didn't have anything to do with that, but 4 and 6, with your direct involvement, were, were bad. The, the, the movies took a definite downturn in quality. And it's not... And it's not the normal arc that you expect from a movie series, right? Because usually a movie starts high and it works its way down. Because just as a general rule, movies get less and less in quality as the series goes on. Now, obviously, there are some exceptions, but unless you're Mission Impossible, as I say, there are some exceptions. But for the most part, as you move further away from the starting line, it goes down because you you run out of ideas, or you don't run out of ideas, but you can't do the same things twice, blah, 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 especially in horror movies. Let's use horror movies. Generally, the quality goes down, but with Nightmare on Elm Street 3, or not Nightmare on Elm Street 3, but with the first three movies in Nightmare on Elm Street, for me, it went 2, 3, 1. So the series didn't follow that same trajectory because it peaks with part three, and then it takes a sharp downward turn. And then the the slope goes down like you would expect it to until you get to Freddy's Dead, and then you hit the bottom, and then you come back up and I can only assume it's because Rachel Talley didn't have anything to do with new nightmare. And I'm not saying it's fantastic or anything like that, but it's a definite improvement over the previous movie. Yeah. I mean, there's not much else to add to what you're saying. It's um, what I did. I did read over that Wes Craven script um, a couple of months ago. And I don't, I don't know why she dunks on that script so much because like I said, Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont, they uh they took a lot of the elements Craven and Wagner had made, so I don't I don't know why she's so hard on that. And in that movie, there was a lot of shape shifting with Freddy. Like they got into that aspect more. Yeah, and and you and you see that in Dream Warriors, you know, a little bit. I've got one more little excerpt from this interview, and the the person that did the interview was Aaron Williams, just to make sure that he at least gets some audible credit here. He said, what did you think about the Nightmare on Elm Street remake? It had a pretty negative reception. Will there be another? And if you were direct to direct, what would you do? Uh, and I don't have the whole thing. But she goes on and she says, well, they made such a big deal in the press about the fact that the series sucked and they were going back to the only good one and that they were going to make it better. And that only they understood scares, etc., etc." That I hardly felt warm and cozy when I went to see it. I didn't hate it, but I was disappointed. I thought all of that time and money, and this is it, and a new backstory. That's kind of lame. I think that, I think what uh, made me the most pissed off was the bathtub scene. How could they blow that? Don't they know that they were, don't they know that horror is about tension? What worked so well in the original was the setup. They just turned it into a gag, and it was the opposite of what they were bragging about. It showed zero understanding of the material. And then she goes on to take another shot at Friday the 13th. On the other hand, I liked some of it. I liked the beginning. I liked it better than the Twitterized Friday the 13th remake. Wander around, pop scare, always identical, creepy music, death, repeat. 
And then she goes on to say, I don't want to sound like a snob or bitter, but essentially she says that she would have made a fantastic movie. It would have been great. And maybe Rachel Talley at this point does, but still for you to shit on everybody else's work and not acknowledge what you gave the world with part five is short-sighted. And you're talking about horror being tension, but there was zero of that. In <laughs> you're talking about gags and that's all your movie was, was fucking gags. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rich to say the least, but yeah. And that's, and I just wanted to rant on that a little bit um, because it just, whatever you were finally given the keys to the franchise and this is what you chose to do with it. And and you want to shit on everybody else's understanding of the material and their knowledge of the material. Yet you didn't show any more reverence or knowledge yourself. So there you go. Uh, I guess, you know, if you want to talk about the, the final thoughts now, I give you mine horrible kills. They weren't memorable. They sucked. Once again, at least Jason Goes to Hell had gore. The movie wasn't scary. The movie doesn't understand tension. It was just a bunch of gags. It had a paper-thin plot. The family versus family trend. You know, whatever new line. Uh, we essentially reused a Freddy death from part one to finally kill Freddy. It almost felt like a letdown at this point because the one thing that Freddie Deaths had been was they had been building up and it had been extravagant, right? You know, when Grandiose. The, yeah, yeah, the light shooting out of his chest in part three and then you have uh, the shit that happened in part four. You know, it was something to look forward to and in here you just had Freddie blown up from a pipe bomb and then the sperm shooting out. And I'm saying you know, kids. You cannot... You almost got a money that. shot on somebody's face. You know? Um it's um there's no reason to care about the characters. And somehow this movie, which had to have had more budget than some of the other previous movies, looks the worst of all. It sucked, it sucked, it sucked. It's my least favorite movie, and that does include the remake. I'm not a fan of that movie, but I hate this movie even more. So there you go. That's my thoughts on Freddy's Dead. Okay. Um and this is this is Josh speaking. It's my turn. This is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. There is no saving grace. Nothing that this movie can hang its proverbial Freddy hat on. Um, putting the franchise in Rachel Talalay's hands is like putting a blind, crippled man in a field of landmines and making him cross it unscathed. This is like giving the janitor of the Chicago Cubs the general manager job because he's been with the organization for 25 years. Freddy's dead. You're goddamn, you, you goddamn made sure of that new line. One out of 10. Um, so you're saying this would be like if the Yankees had put George Costanza in charge. Nope. Costanza. Nope. If you, if you, if you made Costanza not, if you made Costanza go a month without sex, Oh yeah, he gets still be on top. He gets smarter. I forgot. But yeah, uh, um, then since you know we're talking about two movies and we're wrapping up this this epic two part episode, first one of our fledgling career. I mean, if we're talking head to head, 
Freddy versus Jason before they had Freddy versus Jason. Which one are you going with? Oh, I go uh, Jason. Yeah, as a franchise? No, just individual movies. We're not going as franchises. This is just these two. These two supposedly bookends, right? These two end oh, chapters. Oh, Jason, Jason, Jason. Freddy goes to hell. I mean, uh, <laughs> Freddy goes to hell. We're all going to hell. Uh, Jason goes to hell, man. Um, as as batshit as that movie is, you can still, like I said, if it wasn't a Jason movie, you can somewhat enjoy it. If you just watch it, not as a Friday Thirteenth movie, and you enjoy the K and B effects, man, they brought their A game. They did. I mean, the movie's silly as shit, but yeah. I, there's something there. There's nothing here with this. Yeah. I- and once again, we're going to be in agreement. And at some point, we're going to do an episode where you and I disagree about the two movies we watch. But so far, Freddy's dead. We could have done without. The world could have done without it. I mean, same thing goes for Jason Goes to Hell. But I get it. You know, you're trying to end these two franchises. And they can't run forever. It's it's not a James Bond type situation. Especially with Nightmare on Elm Street. Because Robert England is Freddy Krueger. Right? Even with Sean Cunningham trying to move so desperately away from the Jason Voorhees character, at least he understood the Jason Voorhees character. He just wanted to get away from it. That's just his own personal arrogance. But like you said, and like we talked about in the last episode, you get past the fact that it's a, a Friday the 13th movie and you just watch the movie as a after, dog. Well, yeah, after and before to- Jason makes his return. Well, even Jason making his return at the end is whatever it's it's fine i guess it's still a better movie than freddy's dead at least there were special effects at least there were gory kills you know there was shit in the movie that you know people come to expect from horror movies freddy's dead didn't have that freddy's dead was it was um it was like watching a late night talk show comedy skit you know i mean bad, i got bored a with a bad late night we're not talking about like Letterman or Linda, we're talking about like the show that come on after the show that came on after those. But no, as far as these two movies, so yeah, it's it's got to be Jason Goes to Hell. It's better, and that's not saying much. But once again, no, and Jason Goes to Hell is like maybe one of the worst. I mean, it's this or Jason Ten for me. Jason X. Man, you get a six pack though. You pop this on late at night. Not not Freddy's Dead. Uh, no, you, yeah. you would need you like five. Jason goes to hell. You would need like five lines of coke to watch Freddy's Dead. When Jason goes to hell, yeah, you could fucking six pack and yeah. crush him really fast and have yourself a nice little time for an hour and a half. Freddy's Dead. I want you. Wanna, uh, Freddy's Dead makes me want to not watch movies anymore. <laughs> Just dig out my eyes with spoons and put them in a jar somewhere. It, it really made me question like our podcast. It's future. (laughs) Yeah. So, fuck you. Freddy's dead. Too bad it wasn't the final nightmare. Won't you take us home there, Bone? Uh, All right. So, if you've made it this far, thank you for listening. Um, And I don't know how you're going to listen to these episodes. We'll probably release them two weeks apart like we've been doing. Uh, It's designed to be... It was designed to be one continuous episode but after two hours plus of jason goes to hell and another almost two hours here it looks like (laughs) talking about 
<laughs> Freddy's dead. You know, we would have been talking about, you know, a four hour plus episode. So we're going to split them. However you choose to listen to these though. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Keep listening. We're looking to have Daniel on again soon. It looks like we're going to be talking about Halloween one and two. It's not going to be a versus episode. We're just going to be talking about the two movies. You can follow us on our Facebook page, Very Unreasonable Things. You can check out our website, veryunreasonablethings.com. We are on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean. And I just submitted this to a few other uh, podcast services. So I think like Amazon, Alexa, some other. I, I can't remember what they were, but we're available in more ways now. So once again, thank you for listening. And we will see you next time. And right quick, I just want to give a shout out to your stepdad, Stefan Wachowski. <sighs> um, Jesus fucking Christ. I love you. That's Scott Wachowski. Scott Wachowski. And all right. You so should, thank oh, Shit, I was trying to finish it. So let me finish it. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time.